I'm just going to pray for this guy. Thank you for Zeke. Thank you for his heart, Lord, for youth. Thank you for his heart for people and for the gospel. And we just pray that as he speaks, as he shared with us now, that you would bless him, that you would bless his words, that you would use his words to encourage us, to strengthen us, to inspire us, and to challenge us, that you would bring your heart for us, for young people and for all of us, people young at heart, however old we are uh, this morning. We bless you and we thank you. We welcome him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Nigel. Hello, everyone. How are you? Good to see you all. It's great to be back in sunny Winchester. And um, uh, coming down back this, towards the south, uh, my wife and I, Ellie, she unfortunately can't be here this morning, but uh, we moved to London about a year ago, and uh, we're part of a vineyard church in a place called Ballam and Battersea. It's multi-site, Vineyard 61. But I want to say, I would have encouraged you guys to just get a massive bucket, stick it under the hole in the roof, and give all the money to the young people. But, but, um, but, but, but basically... But I'm so blessed to come to a church that really, really believes in young people. I know Nigel and Joe's heart, and I know that they love young people. They've always had a passion for young people. And I'm very grateful to come and, and visit a church that, that really your heart is to put young people and children at the center. And, and you know, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Because if you think of them as the church of tomorrow, you might just forget to invest in them today. And so these guys, they're carrying the baton. They're already doing it. They're already under all sorts of pressures and, 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 and strains from the world. And so we need to get behind them and get alongside them because that's, that's what's, that's, that's the, they're the future of the church, but they're the now of the church. And so um, it's an honor to be with you. I'm not really going to talk that much about DTI. It's amazing. Encourage the youth to come. It's it's in it's in Stafford. It's an honour to be a part of this. We've had Soul Survivor recommend us and give us a big push over the summer. We're believing for five, maybe even six, if we can push it. Thousand young people, please pray for us. Um, young people of this nation are, have got loads of stuff going on in their lives, and we believe that the the best thing for them to do is to know Jesus and know their identity in Him because they're being pulled, pushed from every angle, more than we were growing up, more than I was, more than many of you were. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the new reality that we have in Christ. Um, I wasn't always a Christian. In fact, none of us were all Christians. Have you ever met someone and they say, oh, when did you become a Christian? They're like, oh, I've always been a Christian. Y yeah, maybe you would say that. I've been a Christian since I was born. Well, that doesn't work. We have to make a decision to follow Christ. Everyone has to make a decision to, to put him number one. There's many things that we can put number one, but there's a point in our lives where we decide to put Christ first. And um, so, like I said, I wasn't always a Christian. My number one thing growing up was football. Any football fans in the room? The rest of you, sorry, you know, football just it rules. It's the beautiful game. It's, you know, anyway. Um, so I love football to the extent I'm embarrassed to say that about in, in my teenage years, I actually, the, the most important thing in my life was a football. It wasn't like I wasn't chasing after girls or like whatever. I was just, I just love football. And, and embarrassingly, I used to take a football to bed with me, put it at the bottom of the, come on. I used to put it at the bottom, uh, like where my feet were, you know, tuck, tuck myself in, tuck the ball in and, and just say, good night, ball. Um, and, and, and basically, I believe that if the, the ball was at my feet, as I, as I dreamed and as I slept, I would wake up being better than I, I went to bed. 
bed at football. So I, I was clueless. But the number one thing for me was football. And so I grew up in the church. My parents were Christians. Um, and so I knew about Jesus. I knew about the Christian faith. But I realized at the age of 16 that you can live your life having Jesus in all sorts of positions, but unless we have him in number one position, we'll just live an average Christian life. We'll be half-hearted. We won't be all in. We won't be all committed to him. And so I decided at 16 to make Jesus number one. And I'm not going to stand here and say my life got dramatically better. Challenges came as they always do in life. But what I do know is that I experienced a new reality. In Christ. And this is what the passage we're going to read today and what I want to talk about is the new reality that we have in Christ. And um, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you, can, you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. If you've got to turn them on, you can permission to get your phone out. Be better if you bought a, a paper copy. There's some in the back, I think. But the, the passage is going to be um, on, the, on the screen there. And so I'm going to start reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. It says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new crea- the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then Paul, the writer of this letter, he finishes by saying, and God made him who had no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. Now, I've got a funny accent. I'm originally from Australia. I came over here, um, I was going to say 2,000 years ago, but that's... that's (laughs) That's the, I don't know, I'm just so used to, you know, 2000, Jesus came. Anyway, I came over here like, <laughs> that is random, isn't it? I came over here fif- about 15 years ago, one-way ticket, pursuing a football career. Long story short, it didn't happen. And, um, and I got involved with young people. Uh, uh, but but I, I, what, I, what I realized about, about different things is that as I read the Bible, I, was, I, ex- I started to read what happened to people when they came to Christ. And what happened is everyone you read about, their lives changed. They experienced a new reality. And so I say reality with a funny accent. I say reality. But some of you with a different accent to me, you might say reality. Others might say reality. But um, if you, we can all say with an Aussie accent, reality after three. One, two, three. Reality. That's what I want to speak about. So Paul is saying if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. That's one of the first things he's saying. But Paul... He wasn't always a Christian. In fact, Paul hated Christians. He spent his, a, a, a chunk of his life um, trying to get them in prison or kill them. He was against the Christian faith. He, he, was, he, was a, he, he believed in a God, but he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he did all he could to, to, to shut out Christianity. And then one day he had an encounter with Jesus 
Many of you might know about it. If you haven't, read, the, read Acts chapter 9. It's, the, it's as Paul is on the way to, to capture Christians, put them in cri- prison or get them killed. He has this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus confronts, before he was called Paul, Saul, and says, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus. And Paul has this experience, and a physical experience, but a heart experience, where he, he changes and he, he experiences a new reality. And so, so Paul says a few things about this new reality in this passage. The first thing he says is if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so in Christ, what we can understand is that we're new creations. Like I said, when I first came over here, I was pursuing a football career. I ended up in a small town after my trial in London, thinking I was going to be the next... I don't know, whoever, Tim Cahill, didn't happen. And I was, I was, I was in a small town in, called New Milton. Anyone heard of New Milton? I was there for 10 years at an amazing church called New Life Church. But I got involved with, with working with young people just in a small youth club. It was a small building, but we used to get 70 or 80 kids packed into this room on a Friday night. It was amazing. I'd, I, I'd been part of a youth group growing up in Sydney. So we were part of this. And we would have these lads that would turn up. And these lads, they, they weren't Christian kids. They'd grown up on the local estate. They were rough and ready. They always, they could, all of them could have done with, with a bit of deodorant, but they'd terrorize the youth club. They'd terrorize it, smash windows, steal from the tuck shop. And I'd been there a couple of months, and I said to the youth pastor, hey, why don't we start talking to these kids about Jesus? He said, well, why don't you do that, Z? <laughs> Him being the youth pastor, I thought, isn't that your job? But anyway, it's all of our jobs to tell young people about Jesus. It's all of our jobs to tell people about Jesus. And I realized that you don't need a position or, 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 or a title. You just need to be obedient. And so we gathered these lads. And the only reason they came is because we told them we'd feed them. That's the secret to a young person's art. So we'd put on some pizza and we'd start to read some, some stories of the Bible. And, and this kid came along and he, was, he, 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 he gave his life to Jesus. But that year he gave his life to Jesus. He'd been excluded from school 16 times in one year. He was out of school more than he was in school. And so he comes to Jesus and he gives his life to Jesus and we start discipling him, telling him, teaching him the ways, modeling that. And a year later, we're chatting. He was, he was going to be here this morning. He couldn't be, unfortunately. But a year later, we, we, um, we were chatting and he said, hey, hey, Zeke, it's amazing. Like my teachers are saying that I've changed. They, they can see the change in me. Do you know what? Last, this time last year, I'd been excluded 16 times. Now I've only been excluded once in the last year. You see, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. We change. See, so often we give our lives to Jesus, but we don't realize that their change comes. We become new. This, this kid, he realized that he, he wasn't going to be defined by the way his family were. You see, when he came to faith and I started to realize his story, he was, his, dad, his dad had disowned him. His mum was the local drug dealer and his, his stepdad was currently in prison. So this kid had loads of stuff going on, but his life was changing because he got this stuff. And so often as Christians, um, we, we, we sort of say a prayer or we think we're in, but we're not necessarily living in the ways of Jesus, the new reality. You see, the new reality comes when we actually realize that we've something shifted in our lives. I like to think of it like this, like this young lad realized. His life was going in one direction. 
He was destined for a life of, of, of pain and agony and probably imprisonment. He's constantly in, in, in struggles in school, whatever. Then he met Jesus. He encountered what Jesus had done. And his life was going that direction, but realized Jesus is going in a totally different direction. So he, 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 as the Bible described it, he repented, he turned away, he metanoia, changed his mind, changed his thinking, and he became a new creation. He, he, he followed a different path. You see, one thing we need to re- realize as people that when we, when, when, when we invite Jesus into our lives, we become new. You might not get new hair or new skin, some do, but um, they usually pay for it. Um, but but, but you, 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 you'll become new on the inside and God will start to shift. You see, the beauty of being a youth worker is I've had the privilege of seeing young people trapped in anxiety become free from anxiety when they step into their new reality as new creations, the old life gone, the new life here. Young people with addictions and struggles to pornography, testimonies, even this summer where a kid came up to me and said, Zeke, I thought I would never get free from addiction. He said, I just wanna tell you, came up to me at Soul Survivor, just wanna tell you, didn't even know this kid. He just said, I just wanna tell you, I heard a talk that you did a year ago, you shared about some of your struggles in the past. I haven't looked at pornography for six months. And this is just a young lad, he's only like 15, trapped in addiction, but just being honest. I've seen young people that have, have, have been cutting themselves because that's how they get alleviate some of their pain. We've prayed for them, we've seen them healed. Some even, we had a testimony from DTI of, of, of a young person who had some scars healed. See, I've seen young people with anxiety and depression over their exam results or what, what their future's gonna look like get prayer, healing, and their lives begin to change, their perspective begins to change because that's what the gospel does. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And Paul goes on to write earlier in another letter he wrote to the Romans. He said, consider yourself in Romans 6, 11, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. And that's what we've become when we invite him into our hearts. Things change. But I wonder if that's your reality. I wonder if you've done the Christian thing for years and you've started to slip back into the old ways of living. You, you look at your life when, when you gave your life to Jesus in your life now and it's kind of the same as that early encounter. Or maybe your thinking is that God doesn't really love me. He loves someone else. Or God doesn't really forgive me because the things that I've done, no one could forgive. Or maybe you, you, you slightly walk around with, with, with baggage from the old life and actually you need to just let it go. I don't know where you're at this morning. It's interesting as I read and understand the scriptures, Paul wrote, he often wrote to the saints. Have you come across that? Unfortunately, the NIV, it doesn't actually say saints. It says uh, holy people. But the original is more like saints, like set apart ones, holy ones. That's what we are. We're described that way. It doesn't say to the sinners. It says to the saints. That's who we've become in Christ. And so I want to just... I want to just plant this in your mind. I read a story, um, and so I want to just have a moment, just story time. Are you guys up for some story time? 
Yeah, everyone loves a good story. I could, I, I could have remembered it, but I just love the way it's written. This is, this is a book called Awake to Righteousness. It's really helped me in my journey understand who I've become in Christ. It's very important that we continue to renew our mind in Christ, you know. It's just because you've given your life to Jesus doesn't mean your mind's not continually being renewed. We're learning every day about this amazing gospel, this amazing thing that God achieved through Jesus. So here we go. It's, it's a fake story, all right? I warn you. Written by an Aussie guy, so that's why I want to read it. And I'll read it with an Aussie accent if you, if you behave yourselves. Um, Once upon a time, there was a chicken named Will. Will was pecking around the chicken coop one day until he found an old letter. Will had never seen this letter and he read it excitedly as his, and, and as he did, his heart jumped because it explained it was possible for a chicken to be supernaturally transformed into an eagle. There had always been a desire in Will's heart to be an eagle, but he'd never thought it were possible in this life. That night he prayed to God and believed it was possible for him to be born again into an eagle. As Will prayed, a bolt of lightning struck him and he immediately became a fully fledged eagle. The crazy thing was, Will was so used to his experience of being a chicken, he didn't realize he'd become an eagle, even though the old letter had promised he would. Ring any bells? From then on, he walked around the coop acting and pecking like a chicken, but all the while he was an eagle. It became difficult for Will to still act like a chicken because he was no longer designed for that life. He no longer enjoyed pecking around the, for food and scraps like he was used to. He became more and more dissatisfied with his condition, but could not put his claw on the issue. He continued to ask God to make, him more, make me more like an eagle, but, but never changed and lost hope. This went on for some time until one day a majestic eagle flew over Will's chicken coop and saw the funny sight of an eagle acting like a chicken. The eagle swooped down and perched on the tree next to the coop. The eagle yelled out to Will, what are you doing down there acting like a chicken? What do you mean, Will replied. I am a chicken. The eagle laughed at Will and said, come, spread your wings, fly with me. You are an eagle just like me. Will didn't have time to think as the eagle flew away. He spread what he thought were his chicken wings and saw two broad eagle wings. With three strong flaps and faith and courage, Will flew high above the chicken coop and soared as eagles do. The thing I want to say to you this morning I say it to myself now um, after reading that story is you're not a chicken, you're an eagle. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. My friends, you're not a chicken. <laughs> you're not a chicken, you're an eagle. And see, what happens is we give our lives to Jesus, we have this experience and then we get disenfranchised with life. We get disenfranchised with the church. We get disenfranchised with our experience because what we, what we read is promised we're not experiencing in our life. And see, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God. You see, this is truth that Paul's laying down for his disciples. But some of us, we get stuck in a coop. 
We think the chicken, we think the Christian life is about actually just being polite and being nice and sort of silently struggling with loads of this stuff going on. But my friends, it's not. We're called to soar. We're called to be sent to the, to the nations. We're called to reach people. We're called to share the message we have. For years, I, I honestly stand here and say I was a Christian, but I was living like my old life. I'd given my life to Jesus, but what was coming out of my mouth was not reflecting the new creation. What I was, the way I was living behind closed doors when no one could see wasn't the new creation. I had a problem with the way I spoke. I had a problem with the things I was watching until I realized that what Christ has done on the cross changes everything. And that's what the world need to see. They don't need to just hear it. They need to see it lived out. You see, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. My prayer for this church is that it would be a community of eagles, not a community of chickens. There's something so profound and prophetic about that story. I can't let it go. I love it. I love telling that story because, guys, we're not chickens. We're eagles. We're called to something far greater than we could even ask or imagine. That's what Ephesians 3.20 says. So Paul, Paul goes on. He goes on to say what else is our inheritance. He goes on to say what else we have in Christ the, the second thing he says is that we're ministers of reconciliation. We're ministers, we're new creations, but we're also ministers. So many people wouldn't think, maybe you don't think of yourself as a minister. Well, you are this morning. Appointed, anointed, bless you, thank you, Lord, you're ministers. You're a minister of reconciliation. Years ago, I came to England, uh, a long flight, over 24 hours. It was painful. I'd never been on a plane before. I was 18 years old, just on my own. So I get off, have a sleep, wake up in the morning. No one's in the house because they'd all gone to work. I was like, okay. So I went out for a walk. And I thought, being an Australian, oh, let's say, say hello to everyone that walks past. <laughs> And um, so I was walking down the street and I was getting ready to say hello and there was a lady with a dog and, and, and I, I, was, I was, you know, just about to say, she goes, hi, all right, all right, and walks off. I'm like, oh my goodness, all right. Is there something wrong with me? Am I all right? Do I look all right? Hair all right? I don't know. Anyway, I was confused. I kept walking on. I kept walking, and um, then I saw a guy coming to. I thought, okay, well, we'll just sit, we'll have a good chat. And um, he goes, "You all right, mate? All right, mate?" And just walked on. And by this time, I mean this happened a number of times before I got back to the house, and I was very, very confused. I'll be honest with you. I was like, "Man, am I all right? Like, what is wrong with me?" But, but then, then, then the people I was there, oh no, that's how people, you know, they check if you're right. It's like you guys would say, g'day, or how are you, or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. You see, I realized something quite profound today as I took that experience and applied it to what I was reading in the Bible. We've been made all right. I'm all right. Are you all right? Because that's what we say now, don't we? We say, I'm, you all right? I'm, yeah, I'm all right, all right? That's what we mean. You see, as in Christ, we've been made right. And so he wants to send us into the world, into wherever we are, our workplaces, our schools, our communities, wherever we are, with a message that we've been made right. Are you all right? I'm right with God. 
Are you right with God? More and more, just on the street. So I was talking to my postman the other day. I said, are you a believer? Are you, are you right with God? And that was an interesting, you know, he, he ended up preaching to me. It was fantastic. I got saved again. He was brilliant. But, you know, it, it, it was, it, you know, but it's, it's, it's fun to just ask people. Just ask people. You get a sense. Hey, what do you think about Jesus? No, it's a bit random. Do you ever pray? Should be just normal. We're ministers of reconciliation. We've been made right. You see, if we don't realize we're not chickens, we're eagles, we won't live like we're right. We've been made right with God. Are you all right? You see, what a privilege to be sent into the world, being made right by Christ as his people. We go to minister that rightness to people. We go to minister that rightness. And I think sometimes the church forgets that they've been made right. What a privilege that we have a carry a message that we get to live and we get to share and proclaim. We're ministers of reconciliation. A minister of reconciliation, quite simply, what does it mean? It means I'm right, are you all right? I point to Jesus with my life. He's the one who made me right. Before I met Jesus, my life was a shambles. I was interested in myself. But then I locked eyes on Christ and he gave me a whole different perspective. I wonder how you share your rightness with others. You're a new creation. You're a minister of reconciliation. And guys, just before I move on, please don't read the Bible and insert things yourself. You ever done that? Don't, Don't read it and think, oh, that's for the special people. We do this, don't we? Oh, I'm not a minister of reconciliation. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't read my Bible enough. If Paul wanted to say that, he would have said it. If he said, um, therefore, if anyone is in Christ's new creation, the old has gone, the new has come, um, and he has given Joe and Nigel and Stephen and anyone on the Winchester Vineyard staff team the ability to be ministers of reconciliation. Does it say that? Let's not insert it. Let's not insert, let's not discount ourselves as, as children of God. Let's not discount ourselves. The final thing, how do we become ministers of reconciliation? How do we become this, how do we step into this? We realize the final thing that Paul says is that we are ambassadors. Do you know how you become a minister of reconciliation? You recognize that you're an ambassador for Christ. And an ambassador is someone who represents Jesus wherever they go, whatever they do. Amen. Amen. So guys, you're ambassadors. Again, anointed, appointed, you're ambassadors with what you say, with what you do. We had a young girl, story came through from DTI. She'd gone to DTI and then we had a small event, DTI Nano. We did one here a few years ago, last year, I can't remember now. We did another one in Nottingham. A girl just puts a picture on her Snapchat I don't even know how it works, but she snapped it and it went like to everyone. And um, one of her friends like wrote back, hey, can I come? That looks really interesting. I've heard about some of you, what you do and what you go to. Her friend comes, she gets introduced to Jesus at the event. She gives her life to Jesus. Now that seems like pretty simple evangelism to me. See, I don't think we realize this. Guys, I just want to say to you, you're such an example for Jesus on your phone. You're such an example. 
Some of the stuff I read, young people are writing to one another on their phone. Don't be like that. Hey, you can bring hope on whatever platform you're on. Guys, you're, you're, you're ambassadors for Christ, even when you don't think you are. Guys, you're ambassadors on Facebook. You're ambassadors on Instagram. I think the majority of Facebook people users, yeah? Oh my goodness, do we see the trash on there? We're ambassadors. We, 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 we show the world who Christ is with everything we do and everything we say. We're ambassadors for Christ. My, my boss, Susie, she doesn't like me calling her, her my boss, but she is. Um, she, she is responsible for DTI, and I sort of am as well, but not as responsible as she is. And so <laughs> she... <laughs> And um, so if, it all, if, if next year we don't get many young people and you hear that it's a bit of a, you know, it doesn't go that well, um, we'll probably quit and we might be responsible for sinking the movement. So, but no, it's all good. We've got plenty. It's all good. So anyway, Susie, a few years ago, she's at university. She's at university and um, uh, she's not really living her Christian faith out. And um, one of her friends comes up to her and says... Um, I need to talk to you, Susie. You know I'm a Christian, but I just want to tell you, you are the most discouraging Christian I've ever met in my life. You are the most discouraging Christian I've ever met in my life. She was like, you, you, you say you're a Christian, you're not living it. You, you're never connected with Christian community. I've, you don't even go to a church, but you even say you're called to leadership. But what even is that? You are the most discouraging Christian. In that moment, God spoke to Susie. Something shifted in her life. She'd never been the same. See, sometimes we can, we can, we can think we're a Christian. We can think we're, we're moving towards God. We can think we're doing our thing, but we're actually not. And I, I, I believe God wants to call some people um, this, this morning to, to the authentic Christian faith again, to really living it with our lives with, with everything that we are. And so she decided that she wasn't going to live like that, Cha- changed the way she was living, and now she's responsible for probably what will be one of the most influential youth gatherings in the next couple of years. I believe that. I believe that we, God's given us a mandate to, to gather young people and to inspire them and encourage them and introduce them to Jesus and send them out. Sometimes it just takes a word. Sometimes it just takes the, the reality to, to sink in. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. You're a minister of reconciliation and you're an ambassador for God. Uh, one of the most powerful things uh, I think I ever read as a young person, did anyone ever remember DC Talk, the band? Yeah, oh, there's like loads of you in the room. You guys are like, got no idea. Okay, uh, DC Talk. Well, anyway, they were like out of the estates and the three guys. I can't even remember their names. But anyway, they, had all the, they were kind of rappers, but they were cool in that time. Um, and, and they had this song, you know, um, one of the songs, there was a quote at the start of the song. It was one of their less like Jesus freak, like heavy rock songs it was more mellow and the, the line was just I don't know who it was but um, it's a quote from someone famous uh, 
that said, that, I've forgotten the quote. Um, um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Christ, who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the front door of their home and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. I remember reading that as a young person and saying, making an agreement with God. God, I cannot live, if I'm gonna be all in for you, if I'm gonna give my life to you, if I'm gonna make you number one, I cannot, I don't ever want to have anyone think of me like that. Not because I'm afraid of what others think, but because I wanna give my whole life to you. And I want everyone to be able to look at my life and see you, Lord. I want my life to point to you. Guys, we're, we're, we're called to, to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to be ambassadors of Christ. And some of you, God's stirring you up again. Don't forget the dreams that God put in your heart. Don't forget the things that God's called you to. Never forget it. Never forget it. I want to finish with a story and then, then I, I'd, I'd love to pray for you. You see, this passage has actually been the most significant passage uh, that I've been reading for the last few years. You know when you get a Bible verse or you get a passage and you just hang on to it because it's so much truth? This is the truth about us. We're new creations. We're ministers of reconciliation and we're ambassadors. We get to take this message to the world. So like I said, my wife and I moved to London uh, a year ago, and um, I, I always have a heart for what's going on with young people in, in, in cities and in towns, because I just care about young people. I've got that burden. I can't get rid of it. Um, I tried once. Anyway, that's another story. But, and so I heard that there was an estate like less than two miles down the road from where we lived where there'd been three murders in the space of seven months. And all those murders were by young people, young men, under the age of 25, around that kind of scene. Some of the, some of the one murder was, there were even young people involved in this. My heart instantly broke when I heard this and I thought, man, this can't happen. Someone's got to get involved. Someone's got to prey on that estate, whatever. So I gathered a few friends. I said, let's go hang out on that estate. Let's see what God wants to do because we're ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors, right? We have a message that is powerful and the world needs to know. And so for the last year, we've just been going, not every week, but pretty consistently, we've been going there, praying, just talking to people. But one of the first week we went, weeks we went, we, we did a like, tr bit of treasure hunting. We sat in a cafe on the estate. We just started to wait on God and, and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we would write down words on our phones and then we'd share them with each other so that we would have proof if we said something and it was right for someone. Anyway, we, we, we're praying and I, I, um, I get this impression that there's going to be a person with a, with a big winter coat on, a furry collar, and that they had a son and their son was going through a really tough time, but God wants to, them to know that he knows about their son and he knows about their situation. So I've just finished telling them, a lady walks into the cafe, big coat, furry collar close around her neck. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And, and my, my mate says, that's, that's her. You gotta go talk to her, Zeke. You gotta go tell her what. And I'm like, oh man. So anyway, I, you know, this lady, she had glasses on, she was on the phone, she was quite loud. I was a bit intimidated. We're always intimidated often when God speaks to us. So anyway, I, I, 
I approach this lady and I say, um, excuse me, this might sound a bit random, but um, are you, I think um, God might want to say something to you. She's like, eh? Um, I'm like, are you on the phone? She said, yeah, what is it? And I'm like, um, hey, I can see that you have a little son, but I feel like God might be saying you've got another son. And she's like, right. And he's going through a really tough time and God wants you to know that his hand is on your son's life and on your life. She, um, she's on the phone. She goes, babes, I've got to call you back. <laughs> and so she hangs up the phone and um, I can see a, a tear coming out of her, her glasses. She says, how do you know this? I said, like I said, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe he speaks today. And do you, do you know him? Are you right with him? And she said, um, she just tears flowing out of her eyes. And she says, um, I don't know how you could know that. I do have an older son. He's in prison right now. He's being bullied in prison. I worry about him every day. Um, so we just have this beautiful moment in the middle of the estate, five meters away. What happened? There was a murder there a few months later. See, we're ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors. We come to bring hope in a broken world. So I said, hey, could we pray with you? She said, yeah, I'd love that. She just put, puts her hands out in the middle of the estate. We just hold her hands. We start to bless her. Lord, bless this woman's life. She's just crying. She's saying thank you. She, she said, it was so sweet. Um, I've been in touch with her. She said, can I just give you my number? Because any time that you get a word or you get some verses, could you just text me? Because it's hard, like life's hard. You see, I don't know where she's at. She said she had a faith. I don't know, but we, we're there to sow seeds. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ. And, and guys, God is stirring up his church. He's stirring up his church not to just be in here. I love that we're in here, but we must be prepared to go out. It's the only way the world will get the message. Let's not hold it tight. And so I want to pray. I, I want to pray for you guys, but I, I must do this. I, I just, um, I want to invite, um, if, any, if there's someone in the room or anyone in the room who actually needs to give their life to Jesus, start this journey to say, God, I want to make you number one, or you want to recommit your life. I'm, I'm, we could do this on the back. We could do this slyly, but I just want to publicly invite, if there's anyone in here, um, I just want to give a moment. I'd love for you to just stand up and come to the front. Maybe you, you, you need to give your life for the first time or you need to recommit. Um, I know it's bold. I'm going to wait. If no one comes, that's cool. But I just want to give people an opportunity. Amazing. Amazing. If there's anyone else, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If there's anyone else, I just want to wait a moment. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to push you over. I want to do something else. It's amazing, bro. Just keep receiving. Something beautiful is happening here. Um, I, I, just want to, I just want to wait on the Holy Spirit because I believe he's the one who guides us into truth. He's the one who leads us. I can do whatever, but I just, yeah. So maybe you want to close your eyes, put out your hands, whatever. Yeah. Let's stand. Let's stand. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're present. And we just invite you to come.
Just rest on your people.